Our scripture this morning is from 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1. 1 Peter, chapter 1. We'll begin reading at verse 13. 1 Peter, chapter 1. Begin reading at verse 13. This is God's word. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers and sisters, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glories like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Last week, in the beginning of chapter 1, Peter introduced us to resurrection hope. Hope isn't some heavenly idea with no earthly good. Hope gets into the nitty-gritty of life. Hope isn't flighty. Hope touches real life. Hope can be expressed in simple acts, like practicing physical distancing. Hope can be conveyed by wearing a face mask. Hope touches down in real life. Hope leads to holy living. Therefore, says Peter, that is, on account of the hope that you have, be holy. If hope gives us a future, then holy living defines our present. God redeemed us to be his holy family. God brought us out of evil and made us his own. God's plan to do this started before time. Peter tells us that Christ's coming to redeem was not an afterthought. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Jesus wasn't some emergency plan that God hatched up after sin. God wasn't forced to act because sin somehow got out of hand. God always intended to act this way. From the foundation of the world, God wanted to be our Father in heaven. God always wanted us for his children. Paul has a similar thought that he expressed in his letter to the Ephesians. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. 
Before the world was made, God wanted us to be His holy family through Jesus Christ. God paid a high price to make us His family. Though God had all the resources of the world at His disposal, God didn't use silver or gold or diamonds or rubies or anything else that we consider precious. God paid for our release from sin with the life of His Son. It cost God plenty to get us out of the fix we've placed ourselves in. Peter says, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom He paid was the precious blood of Christ. Ransom's a metaphor of redemption. It has its roots in the Old Testament. Ransom describes the way that slaves were brought out of slavery and into freedom. Ransom describes how God turned the curse of crucifixion into a way of securing us for Himself. Christ's death on the cross fully paid for all of our sins. Christ's death on the cross set us free from the tyranny of the devil, whether we're respectable citizens or live despicable lives, whether we're praised by society or shoved off to the margins. All of us have been changed by Christ's death for us. That's why Peter writes, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Ignorance means that sin warped our minds. But now says Peter. Sin has been put to death. Our minds don't have to be warped. All of those who follow Jesus can think clearly. One of the church teachings says, through Christ's death, our old selves are crucified, put to death, buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us. This morning, we're going to celebrate communion. We will remember that the body and blood of Jesus Christ offer us complete forgiveness for all of our sins. Big sins, little sins, public sins, private sins, sins of thought, of word, of deed. We are a people under new ownership. God redeemed us. He bought us for Himself through the precious blood of Jesus. God's our Father. We are God's holy family. Of course, since God is our Father, Peter longs to see a family resemblance in us. Peter calls us to imitate God's holiness. Since we're God's children, by God's mercy, we're called to imitate our holy God. God's mercy leads us to live holy lives. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. Our way of life is to be pulled into shape by God's character. Our lives are to be blazing with the energy of God's holiness. That phrase, be holy because I am holy, was a defining feature of God's people. From the time that God released His people from captivity in Egypt, they were called to be holy. Unfortunately, God's people haven't always been clear on what it means to be holy. We often think of holiness as only outward behavior. Some think being holy means being good. We assign, we assign holiness to certain sorts of moral behavior. Often holiness refers to what we don't do. 
I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't have sex before marriage, I don't shop on Sunday. Important as these matters may be, Peter doesn't have this in mind when he's talking about holiness. Yes, in the history of God's people, external rules have mattered. Just read the book of Leviticus. There's laws and rules about everything from sexual behavior to patching torn clothes to stealing to whether you could eat a grasshopper to dealing with skin rashes and mildew. No no wonder that holiness has often been thought of as checking off some boxes as to your outward behavior. But that's not what holiness is about as Peter speaks of it. Peter's clear that a holy life is a life set apart for God. And Peter transitions his teaching about hope in 1 verses 1 through 12 with the word therefore in verse 13. Therefore, he says. He says this because you have hope, pursue holiness. A holy life is set apart to be true to God's character. Peter isn't pointing to a legalistic life of ought to or must or should. Holiness doesn't follow rules for rules' sake. It seeks God, not rules. Peter has something more in mind than outward behavior that's simply done blindly. Peter calls us to holiness with a very striking image. He says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Literally, the phrase is, gird the loins of your mind. Now, you've got to understand, in Peter's day, people wore long, flowing robes. And if they needed to get down to work or, or move somewhere really fast, they had to hitch up their robe, they would tuck it into the belt around their waist, and then they would get moving. That's girding up your loins. See, Peter locates our action within our minds. Holiness isn't about following rules for rules' sake. Eugene Peterson in the message says this, So roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Roll up the sleeves of your mind. Holiness on the outside flows from what we think on the inside. Uh, To be holy as God is holy is more than just trying to imitate God's behavior. God is holy not just because of what he does. What God does reflects who God is. As one person said, God's holiness flows from his divine core. So too, if we're to be holy, it must flow from the core of who we are. We're God's holy family, children of God. And God has high expectations for his children. We're nothing like the culture we live in. Peter writes, since you call on a father who judges each one's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Living as a stranger means seeing this world and its trappings as perishable things. Uh, The stuff of life that so many hold as having the highest value, houses, cars, jobs, etc., these will all pass away. And reverent fear doesn't mean be afraid of God. It means recognize that God is God, that God will endure, that God is forever, that God is always trustworthy. God's the one we want to bank our life on. 
not Oak Valley community and its holdings. Or as Peter says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. Ignorant Christians only worry about rules. Holy Christians are concerned with behavior that reflects the character of God. One pastor notes, we were bought with the precious blood of the Lamb, and so now everything we do stems from the enormous love we feel for that Savior who gave up His all for us. It's love for Jesus that makes us finally want to get beyond obedience and in the joy of a holiness that reflects who we are as people who love the Lord God. Shortly after Arun Gandhi, the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi, received his driver's license, his father asked him to drop him off at a meeting in the city. And after that, his father instructed, you're to take our family car to the nearby garage for repairs. He says, once you've dropped the car off, you can do whatever you would like downtown. But you must pick up the car on time and pick me up, his father said, pick me up no later than 6 p.m. While Arun jumped at the chance to explore the city on his own. But he lost track of time. He came late to the garage, and he picked up his father a half hour late. Arun apologized to his father. I'm sorry I'm late, father. The garage took longer than they thought, and I had to wait a a whole hour at the garage. That's why I couldn't be here at 6 o'clock like you asked. Except Arun's father had checked with the garage already at five o'clock and he knew that at that time the car was ready for pickup shortly after they left the city Arun's father asked him to pull over to the side of the road deeply troubled explained his father what would cause my son to lie to me how have I failed as a father that my son would not trust me with the truth And so the father resolved to reflect on this. So, Arun's father walked the rest of the way home. He told his son, you're to follow me slowly in the car so that I would be able to see by the car's headlights. It took six hours for them to get home. Arun followed at a snail's pace. He watched his father, who with hunched back, and steady pace, pondered his failure as a father. Arun knew this was no stunt. His father was a man of integrity. And Arun was convicted. He never told a lie again. Changed his outward behavior, not because of some external rule. No, Arun's love for his father changed his behavior. His father, loving reaction, reoriented Arun's mind and life. And because of his love for his father, Arun never lied again. We have tasted that the Lord is good. We've experienced the kindness of God. We have hope. But that's not the sum of our lives. Peter presses us to erect signs of redemption throughout our lives. He says, love one another deeply from the heart. 
Eugene Peterson puts it like this, now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended on it. Your new life is not like your old life. Your new birth comes from God's living word. When we take God's promise seriously, we roll up our sleeves to show our world real faith, real redemption, real holiness, real love. We'll do what we can to love each other deeply. God's new world began with Jesus' resurrection. Last week we saw Jesus' resurrection gives us hope for this life and the life to come. Our old life, says Peter, quoting from the Psalms, is like grass, short-lived. It's passed away. Our new life is in God's new creation. Today, we live in God's new world. And God's word has given us life. One of the ways that the Christian church has shown deep love from the heart is to talk about the new life we have in Christ. In some circles, it's called giving a testimony. This coming week, the education team wants to introduce an activity we're calling TAG, Talking About God. During this season, when we're separated from each other, when we miss hearing from each other, hearing what God is doing in our lives, so we're going to start this TAG session in our church community, and here's how it's going to work. One person will share a part of their faith story by video, We'll share that story on our church website. And then that first person will tag a second person to video something about their faith story. And on and on it will go. Like the game of tag, we'll take turns being it. We'll take turns sharing parts of our faith stories. So to get ready, here's what you can do. Start thinking about an important person, an important Bible verse, an important event that helped shape your life of faith. It can be a story from any time in your life, just a story that captures who you are in Christ. We'd like to have at least one video story to post each Wednesday. The first story will be posted this week, and then we'll be sending out as well this week a more detailed introduction. It's like when families gather, sharing our stories connects us to each other in love. We give each other permission to be real, to go deeper, to reveal who we are. Telling our stories, receiving each other's stories is a way to love one another deeply from the heart. Together we'll become more aware of what's shaped us what we struggle with, and how God has sustained us so that more and more we become an authentic community of God's grace and love. A pastor once said, what we hunger for perhaps more than anything else is to be known in our full humanness. And yet that's often just what we also fear more than anything else. It's important to tell, at least from time to time, the secret of who we truly and fully are. Because otherwise, we run the risk of losing track of who we truly and fully are. 
And little by little, we come to accept instead the highly edited version which we put forth in hope that the world will find it more acceptable than the real thing. When we reveal who we really are, we demonstrate that we're part of God's holy family. We show that we're a people shaped by God's love and grace. When we share our story, we open the door for others to love us deeply. And we love others deeply by sharing a deeper look at who we are, not some edited version of ourselves. A real-life, holy version, just like all the saints that we read about in the Bible. We show that we're the kind of people who are on the path, as Peter says, to rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Those who've tasted that the Lord is good put their resurrection hope on display with a deep love for each other. We love each other deeply by showing how the resurrection of Jesus has radically changed our lives. Our deep love tells a story about the good that we've tasted from God. Our lives are signs of God's holiness. We're God's holy family. Yes, we have a hope of living a forever life with God, but hope is not hope unless we put that holiness on display today. We prepare our minds for action. We want to tell the truth. We've tasted that the Lord is good. We've been tagged by God's great love for us. Now it's our turn. Show the love of the Father to each other. Maybe a good place to begin is showing each other how God's love has touched our lives. Tag, you're it. Let's pray together. God, what a blessing it is to, uh, to be a part of your holy family, your children, brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of you, our Father in heaven. And as we enjoy that great privilege of being redeemed, ransomed in Christ, would you help us to reflect on our lives, to put our minds in action, to roll up the sleeves of our minds and to reflect on all the stories of how you have been near to us, present to us, how you've shaped us and formed us in myriad circumstances of our lives. Help us to prepare stories to be able to tell and to share with each other so that we can show a deep love for each other in both the sharing of your grace and the hearing how your grace has changed lives. Move us forward to be the kind of holy people that Peter calls for us to be.
We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.